You are listening to the NIHL Flyby by your hosts Matt Lindsay and Dave Ferrari. Welcome to episode two. I am one of your hosts, Matt Lindsay. I'm Dave Ferrari. Welcome to the Flyby. Um, let's jump straight into uh, talking about last weekend, Dave. We had our first uh, Senior Ones game. Talk us through how you felt it went. Oh, look, I was excited. It was great to be part of the club. Um, you know, you come to the rink, the Senior Threes were already well on their way to a decisive uh, victory. Um, you know, we were playing right after them. The, the rink was a buzz of people who play at all different levels of the club. Um, so it was just a, it was just a good feeling, and the game went well for us. So um, yeah, it was all, all in all a great weekend. Yeah, definitely. Um, nerves disappeared after that first shift. I think just getting out there and having a feel for it again. And as you said, the the atmosphere was awesome. Um, had to warm up in the stands because of the the poor weather conditions that I'm sure a lot of people were feeling, um, which also I guess affected the the Saturday night games that were meant to be here in Newcastle. Yeah, all those games getting. Um postponed because the I think they were playing Liverpool uh, couldn't get up here safely with the the weather and a lot of roads closed in Sydney and such so uh, I don't know about you Matt but I had a heavy downpour at my place fortunately I'm up up the higher end of the street so no flooding but uh, not weather that I'd want to be out on particularly on that that M2 highway absolutely so yeah we'll wait and see when those games uh, get put into the schedule but Definitely felt for the, the Pee Bantam and Midget aged uh, players. Yeah, and I will say that those games, when they do get re-entered into the schedule, could possibly affect our NIHL in-house games. So um, as soon as we hear of any of those changes, we will notify teams if games are moved. But um, you know, at this current stage, they haven't been put in, so there's no changes to the schedule. Speaking of the the NIHL, let's jump into that, Dave. It's very exciting. We've got our first games coming up this weekend, Saturday night. Uh, which divisions are, are playing when? So Saturday night we have Division 2 um, kicking it off. I believe it's Hounds v Hawks at 7pm. Um, so two Division 2 games and a Division 3 game on the Saturday. And then from 7pm on the Sunday night, we have a Division 3 game followed by a Division 4 game. So... Um, yeah, big weekend of hockey, obviously just the one week, and then we followed up next week with the Easter weekend break, but it will be good to uh, get back to NIHL hockey. Yeah, for sure. I think the atmosphere will be even more electric this this coming weekend. Um, I know we're playing on the Sunday um, in the afternoon and, and leading up through to the NIHL games kicking off, so um, definitely come down and enjoy some afternoon rep hockey followed by our local in-house hockey as well. Yeah, absolutely. And with restrictions getting better and better, we can have more people in the rink. So, um, you know, like we said in the previous episode, there's, there's no better place to be on a weekend, be part of the club, be be cheering on the rep hockey, be playing in the NIHL or vice versa. And then pretty shortly as well, uh, we're going to have the, the North Stars AIHL team starting back up. So, you know, get down, play or support as much as you can. Yeah, we also had our, our referee pre-season catch-up with them last night. Uh, oh, it'll be Wednesday night, sorry, when this comes out. Um, how did that all go? 
Yeah, it was excellent. We have a lot of new faces in the referee, um, kind of on the referee roster this year. So some of them you'll see at the lower levels, Div 4, Div 3. We don't want to throw guys in the deep end um, too early. I myself also got my referee, um, my new referee cert. So looking forward to getting in some games, um, particularly Div 4, because that's more of the the kind of teaching environment. Um, But yeah, some new guys on board. And even the referees we have, we're just, they're just that much more experienced now. So they'll be able to mentor some of the, the younger guys when it comes, or young as in their, their referee careers. So looking forward to that. Um, we also have some NIHL referee jerseys on their way. So all our, our referees will be, be uniformed in their look, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be huge. Trying to make the, the league look as professional and as clean as we can, as we spoke about last week on the pod as well. Um, also we have the, the learn to play evaluations, uh, being completed next Monday, um, which will be excellent. We've got, we've definitely got some few, a few players there that are going to be eligible for the division four competition. So even though we're starting this week, we may see some people, um, start to fill up those rosters over the next couple of weeks, uh, once they can have their full equipment and, and all that sort of stuff. So very exciting for that to be completed next week. Yeah, so always a, a fun time of the learn-to-play term where we can move people on from learn-to-play into being actual hockey players. Um, but one of the things that holds people back is getting all their equipment. So if you're moving up from the skate the game end to the play the game end, you need your full equipment to do so. So if you're a player out there who has some equipment that you're not using, maybe an old set of shoulder pads, helmet, gloves, whatever... Um, you know, if you can make it that we don't just want you bringing it to the rink because it often goes missing or just gets dumped in a corner. If you could bring it down on a Monday night, um, you know, anywhere from five to five forty-five, you'll be able to hand it with our help directly to a player that it'll really make their day. So, you know, feel free to bring bring your used equipment down at that time. And as I said, there may be just be the piece that that player needs and perhaps can't afford or can't find in stock. Um, that will then allow them to be a hockey player. So bring that stuff down. As I said, don't just bring it to the rink because that's that's not what the rink want. Um, bring it down and as with our help, hand it directly to a player, make their day. Yeah, great points there. Um, just before we, we start jumping into our uh, questions, which we got some good feedback on uh, last week, so I think it's going to be a good segment to have each, each week, um, but just want to touch on something that's also really exciting on top of all the exciting stuff that we've already talked about coming up this weekend, is we finally got to announce uh, and talk to the winner of our new Shield initiative, the Community Through Hockey Shield. Can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that that uh, I'm really excited about. Something that's pretty big, um, you know, in in the kind of NIHL learn to play community, but even just NSA hockey as a whole. It's uh, the only award we give out, um, kind of in anything we do. So it's called the Community Through Hockey Shield. Obviously, our our hashtag is Community Through Hockey. We're really proud of of the hockey of the community. Sorry, that's been built um, around everyone who plays hockey here. And we just wanted to recognize individual that individuals that really um, embrace that. You know, they're all about inclusivity. Um, they're all about growing the game, and they're all about just having fun and, and sharing the game with everyone. So, we're, we're going to be shortly putting it up on our website that'll with a blurb that'll um, kind of explain that in more detail. But um, Maddie, why don't you tell everyone the the first winner and and how we've had to kind of retroactively award that? 
Yeah, so just for some context, this is a shield that uh, Dave, John and I have spoken about initiating for a little while now, probably dating back a couple of years. So um, we've we've always kind of had a few people in mind from when we had that first conversation. So now that we've finally uh, got the shield, we have looked at um, just dating it back to last year, 2020, um, and very excited to announce the winner uh, of 2020 was Daniel Fennick. Absolutely. Dan, you know, came came through our learn-to-play program, really fell in love with the game and uh, was instrumental in bringing the Wolves Division Three team into the league, uh, making them one of the best-looking teams with their cool jerseys, really making, you know, that a place where other players could fall in love with the game as well. That then spilled on to teams at the Stampede and, again, they were just the best-dressed team in those tournaments as well. One of my personal favourites was the Flamingo jerseys. Um, but on all, all the teams that Dan is involved with, uh, there's just a great you know, hockey, fun culture that, that surrounds those teams. And it's a great example of, of what we try to create with uh, the NIHL and just our broader hockey community. So hats off to Dan. He's an absolute legend of a guy. Um, and even as a hockey player, he's just taken great strides. Like He came through the program as a, a new player and now he's just whipped himself into to great shape, really improved his skating passing shooting and just his game sense um, and is now a player that plays rep hockey and, and plays up into the the senior threes rep hockey uh, as well so hats off to Dan for himself as a player and hats off to what he's done to, to kind of everyone surrounding him in the hockey community yeah and as you said Dave we'll we'll make sure we have that up uh, via our website and, and social soon uh, for everyone to see Dan holding that shield uh, nice and proudly uh, along with the, the blurb of really what that shield means to us and, and the wider community. All right, mate, I think it is now time to jump into our hard-hitting questions, so uh, let's get into it. Alrighty, so for the NIHL questions this week, mate, I have three, and the first one is going to be a bit of a just a discussion, I think. Um, we've been running the league since 2014, so we're going into our seventh year um, with very similar, uh, I guess, rules in terms of what happens when there's a tied game at the end of playoffs. So we've historically always had it go to a shootout, but I just want to get your opinion. Is it time for us to consider a change and look at having overtime? Yeah, look, I, I think it is. And, and obviously, we're not making any decisions today, but it's something that we've spoken about for a while. The, the shootout has definitely kind of served its purpose. It's been exciting. I know the the uh, old Division Two Sharks and Greenhawks, I think they had a number of grand finals in a row that were decided in a shootout, um, which, which was really cool and exciting, but also heartbreaking on the other side of it. Um, what we're seeing more and more in the NHL is the three-on-three overtime. Um, and I think that's something that we may look to doing in uh, playoff games only if the, the score is tied, just having a five-minute three-on-three overtime. Um, you know, in our league particularly, I think the games would be over pretty quickly because, you know, there's a lot of space out there. There's a lot of scoring chances. And if you miss on one scoring chance, you know, it's a quick transition and you, you likely have a, an odd man rush the other way. So I think it would be... Um, definitely just as if not more exciting than the current shootout format and it's something that we are seriously considering um, rolling out uh, really soon awesome all right number two just want to i guess is a bit more of an educational based uh, topic but just wanted to get you to 
elaborate and I guess explain a little bit what the difference is between a spare player and an affiliate player? Yeah, good good question. So a, a spare player is someone that uh, when the league allows it, you may call into your team when you're short, but that player is not on a an uh, actual NIHL roster as a full-time player. So they haven't paid their fees, um, but you need a player. We let you bring that player in. They pay a game fee to play, um, and they can play or spare from multiple teams. An affiliate player is a player who is a full-time player in the league. So they're they're on a full-time roster. They've paid their fees. Um, for example, in Division Three, a Division Two team needs a player. Um, we're not allowing them to call in a spare player. They either want to or have to call in an affiliate player. So they call down to the division below um, and call up that affiliate player. There's no fee for that affiliate player to play because they're already paying their, their league fees. Uh, so yeah, spare player, not full-time in the league. Affiliate player is full-time in the league. And there's a different in, in difference in game fee there as well. Hopefully that nails it. Yeah, I think that clarifies it pretty well. Um, the last one for the NI is what was our original thought back in 2014 um, behind the size and weight of the Division Two trophy? Yeah, that, uh, that's something that if anyone has been, been lucky enough to, to raise the Div 2 trophy, uh, it's a heavy one. And that's something that at the time, uh, standing in um, the trophy store, we thought was really cool. We wanted something either really big in size like the Division One trophy or something really grand in stature with, with a lot of weight behind it. Um, it has marble pillars, a, a solid wood. It, it is a heavy trophy. Um, and we were really happy with how that turned out at the time and still are because of the history that, that surrounds that trophy now. But I can tell you, year in, year out, having to lug it in and out of the ring, up and down to the scorer's box, etc., um, you know, that is a heavy trophy. And when you're carrying an armful of, of championship pucks and a trophy in the other hand, uh, you know, all the people that have drunk out of it, raised it, uh, I'm sure along the way it's caused some damage to someone because it, it, it's a bit of a beast, but uh, there there is a lot of weight to that trophy. So if you haven't won it yet and you do, you are fortunate enough to one day raise the Div 2 trophy, just be prepared that that thing is heavy. Yeah, every finals I'm always a little bit nervous once we hand that over, watching the captain lift it up above their head just to see how they go uh, holding that weight up. All right, so going to do a couple of just generic hockey questions now. Uh, first one is, what shot is the hardest for a goalie to stop, in your opinion, between backhand, slap shot, wrist shot? Talk to us. Well, I guess, you know, I don't want to sit on the fence. I'll give you an answer. But really, it's the it's the quickest release. So whichever one of those you can get off quickly is going to be the toughest to stop. But I would have to say, I'd go off the board a little bit here, and I'd probably say backhand. Now, obviously, if it's a backhand from the point, not going to be very difficult. But anything in close, I find goalies struggle to read backhands like they would a forehand shot, wrist shot, slap shot, etc. So... Um, you know, if you can if you can uh, have a good backhand shot where you can lift it, go along the ice, kind of pick your spot, I find that one is a difficult one for goalies to track. They just can't read the puck as well coming off the backhand as they can forehand uh, because most of the shots they faced are on the forehand. So, so I'd say backhand. All right. I think I, think I would probably say whatever shot you as a, a player can actually control um, and position where you want it to go. I think too many people think the harder the shot, like a slap shot, is the most desirable or hardest to stop. 
I think it really comes down to how you can control the puck, what kind of shot works for you, and how you can be deceptive. So, like, I, I agree, backhands are definitely tricky to stop, but I think whatever, yeah, you as a player are most comfortable with controlling is going to be the hardest shot for the goalie to stop. Uh, number two. So what is two-touch, and why is it so commonly used in the hockey world? Yeah, one of my favorite ones. So two-touch is um, essentially a game that hockey players play when they're warming up for a game or practice with a soccer ball. So, you know, generally you'll need at least three or four players to start, but but uh, kind of five or more players is what you legitimately need. Um, and you'll stand in a circle, and you just your goal is to keep the ball up in the air. Uh, and you have two touches on the ball to do that. So a ball comes to me, I may hit it with my, my knee, my foot, and then it's on to the next player. I could use one touch, but I have a maximum of two. The last player to touch the ball before it hits the ground um, is out. So you then leave the circle and you work down till you have two players. Then they just have a, a battle where they play you know, against each other and the winner takes all. They're the champion. Then everyone else is back in and you go again. So that's kind of the friendly version of two-touch. Obviously, when it gets more competitive, you can uh, what's called sewer your teammate where instead of giving him a ball that may be easy to keep in the air you may fire at them fire it at them and uh try to bounce it off them to the ground so that they get out that's kind of like throwing a dagger at them so that's two touch um on every team i've ever played on um they may tweak the rules a little bit but it's it's kind of been a common theme on on every competitive team i've played on awesome answer um, the third one of our generic hockey questions is, uh, are playing dedicated positions necessary in recreational hockey? Great question. I would say absolutely not. Um, you know, I think in recreational hockey, uh, at any level, um, players need to play all positions. Uh, now you may play rec hockey and you may just be a defenseman, but there may be weeks where you have to play forward, um, also and probably more commonly vice versa where you're a forward one week we're short on d you need to be able to play d as well but you know on any recreational team i've played on i've i've played every position not every week but at some stage i've played every position um and i think you particularly when you're learning the game you need to get a feel for it in defense you need to get a feel for it at center and you need to get a feel for it at wing um and even at the the kind of the highest level of recreation i've played all positions are interchangeable and, and you will at times play everything. So, so yeah, no, I don't think, um, you know, one position is, is what you have to play. I think it's cool, particularly at the beginner level, to play them all. All right, mate. To wrap up uh, the episode, I have one more thing to bring up. It's a scenario. So I think this would be kind of cool to throw in each week as well. So this week's scenario, there's a minute and 40 seconds to go in the game. Your team is down by a goal. Your team unfortunately takes a penalty, and so it's now 5-on-4 five against you. Do you pull the goalie to play 5-on-5 five five with an open net, or do you take the chance playing shorthanded and get a shorthanded goal? Yeah, great scenario. So um, I would be looking to pull my goalie. I just think I don't think um, playing shorthanded 4v5 would give us um, a good enough chance, particularly if we're not ahead in the score already during the game with a minute 40 left um, I think we need a better chance to score the game time goal however uh, because we're shorthanded the face-off would be in our defending end I would start with my goalie in the net I would wait 
until one, we could get possession and carry it up ice or we could get it down the ice and obviously icing wouldn't be in effect because we're shorthanded. If we get the puck down the ice where we could then quickly get the goalie off and apply uh, a good forecheck to create a turnover where we could then get the puck and re-attack. Now, obviously the odds would be heavily stacked against us, but I think that would be our best chance to win the game where we could you know, set a, put in a successful forecheck, create a turnover and then um, score on that transition. Yeah, I think we even saw that today in the uh, the Flames game, to be honest, near the end there. Um, so, I, yeah, when I drew up this scenario, it was kind of weird to see that it actually played out this morning in the NHL. Um, all right, that's going to wrap up for today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, again, if you've got any questions that you want answered on our weekly show, just please email them through to info at nsa-hockey.com. Um, and we'll make sure to, to add them in um, for Dave or myself to try answer. Any last things you want to add in, Dave, before we wrap up? No, that's it. Um, like we said off the top, looking forward to a big weekend of hockey, NIHL, round one kickoff, a lot of rep hockey here at the Hunter Ice Skating Stadium. So, you know, whether you're, you're playing or not, it'd be great to see everyone down here, um, you know, getting together with the hockey community and enjoying some local hockey. All right, guys, that'll do it. Thanks again for listening. Um, and congratulations again to Dan Fennick on taking out the community through Hockey Shield for 2020. See you guys next week.